Hello and welcome to the Tonic Podcast. We have made it to episode two, which I guess suggests that the first one was half decent with Dale. It was fantastic. It was great having a patient on board. I've got one extra now. I've not only got one person, I've got two people. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have the dietitians on board, Sophie Matthews and uh, Lisa, welcome aboard. How are we doing? Great, thank you. Yeah, excellent, thanks. Good. <laughs> part of um, episode two. I know, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess, you know, I'm, we are so keen to talk about, we're all part of the aftercare team, right? And we want to make sure that we kind of give an outlay as to what we do and, and why it's so important to have aftercare. It's it's not just a case of um, you know, having the op and, and job done, is it? Um, but before that, why don't we go down the road of, you know, who are you two? <laughs> so like, you know, I think it's clear that we're all passionate to help people, otherwise I wouldn't be doing what we're doing. But I guess let's start with Sophie. Why, why did that start? Where, where did it all begin for Sophie? So when I was younger, um, I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do, but I always had a passion for cooking and baking. And um, my, my mother's boss was actually the, the fattest man in Britain. Oh. And we went to see him in the hospital and he had a massive stroke. And he was, um, you know, on the journey to perhaps losing limbs mm-hmm. because of diabetes and everything else. And I just got chatting to the lady there that I thought was a doctor, um, but she was actually a dietitian and she's a bariatric dietitian. Um, and I just basically had a look online, had a, you know, googled things, did more research, and sort of, as the saying goes, the rest is history. Nice. Um, and you know, I've worked in the hospitals for many years. But I always had a you know a passion for weight management, and it was just the opportunity that came up, and and here I am now. I've been working here for six months, and thoroughly enjoying it. Class, no, love it, love it, love it. It's interesting, isn't it? How people, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what Lisa said as well. But like, I was the same with regards to knowing someone that mm. had you know diabetes. My father, in fact, and um, when I first came to PT, I remember thinking, actually, I wouldn't mind knowing a bit more about that because a I want to protect myself a little bit here and understand it better, but also maybe help him a little bit. And suddenly it's like, actually, I've got other people who are interested in it. So it's really cool. And Lisa, how were we, uh, how did where did it all begin for yourself? Yeah, my journey's kind of different to Sophie's, but I suppose similar to yours. Um, I've grown up with a mum who was always on diets, um, like Weight Watchers, Slimming World. Yeah. Um, and I'd go as far as to say she had an eating disorder. Um, so I did from a young age, did a lot of reading around nutrition and, you know, exercise and healthy, you know, trying to establish healthy patterns for her. Mm. Um, so that's when I decided I wanted to be a dietitian and I suppose that's where the, um, psychology and the, and the weight management side interest really comes in because I really wanted to help my mum. Um, so I've been a dietitian for 17 years and I've been specifically working with weight loss patients, bariatric um, patients for 14 years and I've been with Tonic now for eight months. 17 years? I don't think I knew that. Yeah. That's a long time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't. You don't look old enough. <laughs> you don't look old enough. No, so, yeah, like, you actually, start when you're like five or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been in weight loss for, um, like weight loss uh, patients for surgery, sorry, for 14 years. Started off in the NHS but been in the private sector for um, 12 years now and again same as Sophie and yourself um, I'm really passionate about um, this line of work yeah. and helping patients mm-hmm. to get control of the weight at control of their he- eating behaviors and kind of supporting them as much as we can yeah brilliant no it's um no it's so cool and it's it's it's, it's not coincidence that I guess we've all got similar sort of backdrops there I mean my, one of my mates uh, works for a big bank in London and he used to say to me like oh, there's no deal there's no better feeling than you know getting a big deal or something like that and I said I actually think maybe 
helping someone over the course of six months to a year to blooming change their life for Absolutely. a lifetime is is up right up there you know and and um okay cool so um you guys have quite a in-depth role as part of the before and after care sort of um deal with um tonic there's lots and lots to talk about mm-hmm. my first question to you is and i think this will be really interesting for maybe future patients what's the trickiest part would you say in general for a patient is it sort of the pre-liver diet is it two weeks after the op is it six months later where maybe you know they've lost a lot of weight and it you know let's face it, it does it can it will slow down eventually mm-hmm. um in your experience where does it where's the tricky part i i think there's two um probably the pre-op diet yep because obviously with the pre-op diet we're wanting to follow a strict diet in order to reduce the liver size for surgery and you know sometimes patients can argue well if i can follow a diet why they end up in the situation right needing surgery so it is difficult and most patients are aware of the importance of following it and obviously we're here to support them as much as we can um and we've got a couple of different options that we can go through with patients you know a liquid option or mm-hmm. a food option and um, to try to give them a bit of variety um but then i think the second um area where patients find the most difficult is probably the puree stage um which is so we do your two weeks liquid and then it's two weeks puree post-op um and i think it's more just the texture of the food sure. and and obviously we discussed what types of things to blend and just talking about blended food is quite off-putting but then you know there is a lot of blended foods out there that you probably have before surgery you know for example mash wheatabix type of thing so you know we do a lot of um support you know supporting them throughout the journey and trying to help them as much as possible yeah um, no brilliant i think um it's, it's fascinating that first part i think about the whole you know maybe a week two weeks and they have this method of let's face it, was not really a sustainable diet, is it? you know, it's uh, whether it be shakes or, or whatever. And, but they are able to do it. And it just shows when motivation's high, when you've committed and signed up to this op and you know, the money side of it, 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 it mm. does change people's perception of it. But that's not the long-term goal, is it? You don't want to be just having these food groups for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I guess the op unlocks that balance part of mm. it, doesn't it? And in your experience, Lisa, what did you find? I would agree with Sophie. I think there's two areas. Um, I would say um, the pre-op diet, because again, like Sophie said, we're asking patients to really reduce their intake when they've still got, um, you know, an appetite, still feeling hungry. Um, they might be living with family members, children that are still eating course, chocolate, yeah. Yeah, pizzas, that sort of thing in front of the faces. So that can be quite difficult. But then a lot of patients do actually find the focus to do that because they know it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I kind of try and approach it with patients. I'll just say, you know, it's the last ever diet really mm-hmm. you're ever going to have to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so it's difficult in that way. And then I would say overall, the initial six weeks, I would be a bit broader than Sophie. I think, again, people with families, you know, can find it difficult when they're not eating with the families mm-hmm. or um, they're on liquids or purees or soft. But I can honestly say, hand on heart, I have never known anyone to say they've regretted the surgery after the six-week period. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, Sophie. I know. I was just going to say, I think there's always that period, isn't there, a few weeks into it, where patients regret it, think oh, they've made the right decision, whether they've still got wind pain, the wounds, Absolutely. Are, they're having issues. But yeah, like Lisa said, you know, everyone look, looks back and think, actually, no, it's the best thing. Why have I waited all this time? I should have done it years ago. Um, and like I say to patients, you know, six weeks... 
seems like forever when you're when, in it when you're in it but once you start on it the weeks fly by yeah once yeah. you're out the six weeks yeah. you know, well, and in the grand scheme of things there's a percentage for your life as well with suicide and things so it's very much a short term that's what i say on the exercise day as well that you can't do it for six weeks but it's a short-term loss for a long-term game fill your boots at six weeks yeah. you know yeah. and, and but i guess in that sort of immediate you know it's like people this is the thing about the diet injury you touched on sort of slimming world and weight washers people want the results now didn't they yeah. and they've almost ingrained in that every week there's got to be progress otherwise i'm doing something wrong, wrong. And, and that's a but it's a what's that saying it's a marathon not a race yeah 100 100 percent. yeah 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 no and, and it's um yeah and i think like i said the, the our role is to prepare them to build these habits you know it's not and that, like I said at the beginning of the podcast it's not about just get it done job done get on with mm-hmm. it I actually don't think many people will be that fulfilled a year later yeah. after that because mm-hmm. you know the non-scale victories that we talk about on the Facebook group all the time these are the if, once people get the weight loss going mm-hmm. the celebration of you know mm-hmm. um walking over 5,000 steps about knee pain or Absolutely. breathing better mm-hmm. or you know, even like deep stuff, man. Like being a, being a better father, like being able to yeah, run around yeah. with the kids and stuff. I it's... always get a, I want to sit on a roller coaster seat. That comes up. Yeah, I, went, I, yeah, I didn't realize people so many people rode roller coasters. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 you know, like my mate's about five foot two. He can't get any roller coasters. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing you can do about that. Say, listen, there's nothing wrong with being five foot two. <laughs> no, no, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lisa. <laughs> um, but no, no, it is um, it is fascinating. Right, I'm going to ask. I'm going to put you both on the spot here and ask you quite a strong question. Okay, how much of diet in general for people who are struggling with it is mental physical so like genetics mm-hmm. or knowledge which if you had to pick one of those three or even or here let me put them in order of importance so which one's the most and again, it, i don't think it's the right answer so it doesn't matter but in you know out there i think it's fair to say there's a lot there's poor knowledge out there isn't mm-hmm. there you know that's my point about the knowledge side of things they think you know have one carbohydrate I'm going to put on a load of weight yeah, or whatever yeah. uh, protein makes you big and strong and then, you know, I think women think it you know, makes you bulky and yeah. these myths mm-hmm. that kind of exist out there a little bit so that on the knowledge side of things physical being you know oh, it's all genetics it's all you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm basically designed to be this way big bone I think is a, is a mm-hmm. way of putting it and mental is you know the mental side of it boredom um, people's approach to it. what would you say is the, 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 the order of importance Oh, that's, that's got you going, isn't it, eh? <laughs> I, would, I would say mental and knowledge could be both really Definitely, up there. Yeah, because I think, especially with nowadays, you know, social media is having such a big influence mm. on, on, on patients' knowledge and not all the things that patients read is correct. Absolutely. Big time. Um, you know, and um, then when patients are reading things, it's all conflicting, you know, they don't know where to go. Um, and I think that probably affects the, the mental side that... You know, they're getting so much information. They're following one thing, they're doing another. Hundred yeah. um, percent. One day an apple's good for you, the next yeah, day it's bad definitely. for you. You know, in the yeah. press sort of thing. And nothing, nothing safe in diet world, no. is it? Yeah, even so even like fruit gets hammered sometimes. <laughs> so, so right, you get mixed messages. So then, when the patient who thinks they're trying to be good one day, the next day it's mm. something bad has been said about that diet or that food group or whatever, mm. and then Just that starts to mess with chocolate to be good with the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when when did you come around? I don't know. Like, um, even things like the science of a calorie deficit, for example, you people mm. chuck. Oh, it's obsessive to know about calories. You know, even that. So even the science of finding out about that stuff can be chucked mm. that that card. And it is interesting how I think the thing about diet is is, and hopefully you agree, it's like different methods can work for different people. There is no one size fits all to this mm-hmm. stuff. So, so for example, you might Sophie cut out chocolate i mean mm. i wouldn't want to do it but like you might cut out chocolate mm-hmm. and you'll let's face it you'll probably 
lose weight if you do that, right? So it's not wrong to do it, but there's, these are who could eat chocolate, but maybe she cuts out alcohol yeah. and she'll lose weight. So they're, 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 always, I think that's why there's so many bad foods because yeah. everyone's got a result cutting one thing out here, there, yeah. carbs or whatever it yeah. may be. And also, you know, you get a lot online to say, like you say, Harry, cut out, you know, fats, carbs, but actually as a dietitian, you know, we always say never cut out food groups. You know, we still want you to have a good balanced Everything. diet, yeah. but you know, as the saying is, in moderation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's so much demonising of food and food groups, aka yeah. carbs, fats, and even like I said, even protein. You'd think that would be the one that would be kind of safe, but even mm-hmm. that gets battered sometimes, absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah. And it's if you were somebody thinking about doing the op. And you had to prepare them on a dietary basis. I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot, man. Sorry. I made my first one as well. I know, man. That was brilliant, yeah, right? <laughs> no, but if you had to, again, there's no right or wrong, right? Like, if you had to prepare them on a dietary basis for what's to come and then the leaving the off afterwards, like, what would you kind of, what would you be your sort of, I guess, your nuggets of information that you may give them? I would say it relieves you of long-term dieting because mm. as in yeah, like, nice, we, like, that. Like, like we were saying before about cutting out food groups and, and all that sort of thing, um, what the surgery does is reduces your portion sizes for you automatically and it reduces your appetite. So that's, you know, kind of gives you the truck control mm. to keep your calories, overall calories down and, you know, your weight coming off. Mm. And also um, it gives you a better relationship really with food, yeah. patients say. Um, when you're not hungry, you can hopefully make better choices. Whereas if you're starving, you go to the cupboards, eat not everything in sight. Well, there's the, there's that sabotage mentality with diet, isn't yeah. there? So the sort of okay, it hasn't worked this week, as we yeah. know, it's not necessarily going to be every week. It, it goes yeah. down. It's not it's not a linear process. But the the sabotage mentality. I've done it. I've done it. Yeah, I, yeah. I you know I've had definitely had binge eating tendencies in the past mm-hmm. where you know it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the same for for me. As, you know you're not immune to it because you get a PT qualification. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And yeah. and um and you go oh sorry, it hasn't worked. I'm just gonna eat everything now. Yeah. It's gonna make yeah. me feel better. Yeah. And of course that's the, you know that the uh, I had a great analogy about that. It was like that's like getting a flat tire and then bursting the other three tires, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it is as ridiculous yeah. as that. Um, but. The op- you can't really have that sabotage no, mentality to a certain no, extent because no. you can't consume that much food and, and yeah. but it's then some people I think at Tonic we're great because obviously we've got yourself dietitians and the psychotherapists you know not every company has that and I think you know they're important um, on, on this journey because like you say you've had the surgery you can't do that but some people still have that mentality and still want to binge eat mm-hmm. and I think you know the psychotherapist really can help with that side with the mind side but yeah. the physical side has kind of been addressed hasn't it so yeah, that's, that's why like you yeah. said mm-hmm. you know it's a great team so mm-hmm. you know when patients do get to that stage you know quite often the Africa girls will ask us to get in touch and get the yeah. patient back on track mm-hmm. which we're all very good at um but like you said you know it, it does stop you from say you know having that you know pizza mm-hmm. and follow it followed by a cake whereas you might have a slice of pizza if you've had a terrible day and you've gone off piste yeah yeah and 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 you know binge, binge eating is would you say that's the biggest thing i know obviously people consume a lot of food but binge eating or is it would you say it's sort of stress or would you say it's um inactivity because obviously everything different's going digital these days i mean in lockdown i mean mm-hmm. i couldn't believe how there was a couple of days when i was like i've done like 75 steps today you know and, yeah, and the average weight gain during lockdown was um, seven kilograms really that's interesting it's yeah. fascinating yeah and i think it's inactivity boredom mm. um yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see what the um 
sort of the after if there is that's a great stat there but the even more aftermath after mm. you know lockdown yeah. but would you say you know this binge eating side thing i mean that's linked to stress i suppose isn't it? i suppose that's linked to boredom as well isn't it so maybe there's actually it's just it's all a sort of a vicious circle sometimes mm. isn't it um Cool. Well, cool. Well, no, I think, um, I mean, is there anything else you guys kind of want to add? I know, Sophie, I mean, this is the thing, but this is tonic life. Sophie's got a call at three o'clock, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so, you know. It's been been great, um, you know, doing this podcast with yourself and, and Lisa and, you know, looking forward to doing many more on, you know, different well, topics. Well, what I thought I'd do is, if, if we chuck out there now, so you can email, um, do it on my email, I guess, but harry at tonicsurgery.co.uk. Any questions? And then, and then maybe you know when we whenever we're us three, we're not always. It's very rare us three are actually together. Are we? You, you do two alternate when we we're come down. We're gonna plan it though. We'll yeah. plan yeah, it for yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, we'll make yeah. it. Of course, we'll make it happen. Also, you can do it virtually over Zoom as well. So yeah. we were putting ourselves under a lot of pressure here because we have no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, any questions at all? I mean, of course, I think you know all the patients know they can reach out to us at any time anyway. Yeah. So it's a bit and of if a, there's anything you know in particular they want us to talk about. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's um, you know as I say, they can reach out to us any time. It's a bit of a long-winded way of finding out your information, isn't it? But but there's probably information out there that they, they will, a patient will appreciate everyone would want to know. So, yeah. and I think, you know, hopefully there's been some nuggets and value given today. Do you want to add anything, Lisa? Um, I would just like to say that, you know, as I, as I said at the start of the conversation, you know, I've been in bariatrics for a very long time and I've got to say, um, uh, you know, not being biased because I now work here, um, but I do think tonic um, and the aftercare services that we, you know, give to patients is second to none. And like I also said earlier on in our um, podcast that, you know, if you are considering surgery, um, I doubt you'll regret it after you're out your six week period. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that you two's first podcast? Yeah, first podcast. Pros, yeah. man. Pros. Yeah. I think I'm the stuttering idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm ancient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah established you, I'm 95. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, fair. Well, no, I've, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. I think we maybe bring on the TV show. That's what I say. It's not the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, the one show. <laughs> yeah. Does that make me Adrian Charles? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, cool, guys. Thank you so much. And as um, Sophie said a minute ago, there will be more of this to come. Um, hope you enjoyed episode two. And um, we will look forward to catching up with you all very, very soon. Bye-bye.